You might think that private medical insurance, podcasting and social media are strange topics to lump together. But my guest today has boosted the success of his private medical insurance business by launching PMICast and by using social media to drive traffic to his website. In this episode, you can listen to how he has generated new leads and built a loyal audience of advisors and clients. That's right here in episode five of the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here and welcome to the Empath Podcast. This is the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. You can find the notes that go with the show at www.rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. In the meantime, let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. I'm delighted to introduce my guest today, and he is Phil Knight. Phil has worked in the medical insurance sector since 1994 for the likes of WPA, Standard Life Healthcare, AXA PPP, and Simply Health, and financial services more generally from 1989. He set up his own specialist medical insurance practice in 2011 working with Premier Choice Healthcare and advises clients on all aspects of medical insurance in the UK and around the world. He promotes his practice as a fusion of technical knowledge and focused customer transparency. Away from work, Phil has two main passions, technology and martial arts. I wanted to get Phil on the podcast so that he can talk to you about how he uses technology via his medical insurance podcast to pass marketing messages and information on to his customers. A little known fact about Phil is he's studied several martial arts since 1980 and now holds separate black belts in two styles of karate. But so far, Phil hasn't found a way to successfully merge martial arts into his business life. So, Phil, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Uh, thanks for invi- uh, inviting me, Roger. It's really great to be here. Um, as you know, I'm a regular podcaster myself, but it's a little bit strange being on the other side of the microphone, so to speak. Well, this is only about the sixth episode of the Empath Podcast that, that I've recorded, so I'm hoping to learn a lot from you in the art of podcasting. <laughs> the strange and mysterious arts, absolutely. <laughs> Before we get into our main discussion then, Phil, let's find out a little bit more about you. Tell everybody a little bit about your background so that we can get to to know you and what makes you tick? Well, I think probably in line with, with the number of people that you'll have interviewed, I really fell into financial services by accident. Uh, when I left university in the late 80s, didn't have a job, took the first thing that came along, which happened to be working as an IFA based in Leeds. I was disastrously bad as an, ad, as an advisor as, as a kid at that point, so I was fortunate enough to get a job with, with a life office with Scottish Amicable, and I worked there four years just on the admin side, really learning the trade. And, and that led on to, again, this, this usual process of, of envy of what we called life inspectors then, that the sales guys who were going off to see their IFA clients in their company cars with their expense account. And it seemed to me as a, as a 23, 24-year-old, an incredibly glamorous profession. So I moved into field sales working for insurers, not in, not in, not in life and pensions, but in private medical. Uh, the job I was offered was with WPA. And from that point onwards, I suppose I was, I was trapped working on the private medical side of things. So as you said in the intro, 
worked for a variety of different uh, different providers, BCWA, now part of Simply Health, Standard Life Healthcare and so forth. And then, old, old story, one of the jobs I moved to, senior position, great job, I was made redundant, and that gave me the, the, the kick up the backside to set up my own practice, working for myself, advising clients on private medical insurance. So it, it, was, it was just something that I'd been toying around with, and then I got the impetus to do it because I suddenly had no job and some redundancy money with which to set uh, with which to set the business up and and that's that's kind of where I am now and I suppose the, the only thing to kind of go on and talk about is, is the route to market and how I'm using the podcast to, to target my key key clients and prospects and, and that's what we really want to get into now this is the main discussion this is where in the empath podcast we talk about a business model or a new product launch or a marketing campaign or, or simply a hot news story but with yourself phil this whole podcasting idea how you've used your podcast to market your private medical insurance business so let, let's talk a little bit about that business model take us right back to the very beginning to when that idea first surfaced when was the light bulb moment <laughs> that's a good place to start at the beginning I mean more generally as we are talking about in the green room before we started recording I'm really into podcasting and, and like yourself I've listened to podcasts really since they first came out um, I suppose the original Adam Carolla days of, of podcasting. So I'd listen to these bizarre little radio shows uh, on my, <laughs> we'll talk about tech later on, but, but on, on my first iPod Nano around 2006. So downloading these, some fiction, some sales and, and marketing based and, and some science based, whatever the podcast was. And I just thought uh, uh, as an abstract thought working for somebody else at the time, these little snippets of information would be really useful to, to, to get a message out to a client, to a demographic, to a target audience. And so from that point onwards, I, I was the champion within whichever business I was working for, social media and more particularly for, for podcasting. But I don't think the, the bigger businesses really understand the power of this medium. So the light bulb for moment, moment for, for me was, was two parts. It was first understanding the power of, of, of podcasting, of, of what as as we now know is is the ability to to beam your message direct into the pocket of everybody that owns a mobile phone basically but then when i set my own business up like a lot of people i was very much in love with the idea of what i was doing i was going to advise people on private medical insurance i had no idea no concept of how i was going to pick up clients so i flailed around for the first few months really not doing much business at all and then I hit upon the idea of working with introducers, with IFAs, because after all, I worked as a broker consultant for private medical insurers for 15, 16 years. And, and at that point, it just occurred to me that a business podcast focusing, I suppose, it, it, on two things. First of all, in, in getting a technical private medical insurance message out to my preferred client, whoever they may be, but also having... Because the nature of podcasting is you can have different features within the podcast. So having a different segment within the same podcast aimed at my other target market, which would be introducers. And, and just from that point, having that idea of this is the way to get the message out to people was the moment at which... PMI cast was really born, I suppose. It's so interesting what you said about bigger businesses have really let 
the idea of podcasting's passed them by. I suppose in the financial services industry, I've always said, if you look at the United States, we're probably about five years behind some of the social media and, and content marketing techniques that they've been successfully using. And I suppose now that people like yourselves are doing podcasting, we are starting to catch up to a certain extent. But for me, I, I want to sort of agree with you on the light bulb moment as well, because I used to spend, when I was working for Royal London, only about 35 minutes on the train in the morning. But after many years of sitting there listening to all my old uh, rock and 70s group, I did start to think I need to do something different. Didn't like to read a newspaper or read a book. And I discovered the podcasts as well. So over the last four or five years, I've been listening to great podcasts from America, things like The Sales Line with Marcus Sheridan, Content Warfare with Ryan Hanley, Social Media Marketing Podcast with Michael Stelzner. And these are 30-minute, gem-filled, business-focused programs which you can listen to on the train, in the car, even on the treadmill, or if you're out walking the dog or something like that, you're literally plugging a world of business knowledge into your brain. And to me, there's a huge opportunity for people like us to get a real good audience, perhaps not an international audience, but certainly a national audience and a local community audience. And it's a great opportunity for advisors all over the UK to think about what their niche is and to deliver some sort of audio content to their customers to enable them to increase throughput into their businesses. Definitely. And I think that the key thing for me is that it doesn't matter how large a business you are or how small a business you are, you just need a computer, a microphone and something to talk about. And the beauty of it is that because you're being straight to the person's ear, as you say, in a variety of different situations, although the content can be quite general, the, the message is very specific to the individual. And I think once, once you start to develop a, a strong listener base, it, it really does add value to both, to both your business in financial terms, which we can talk about, but also to, to, to your brand value. You can, you can buy in far more brand awareness and the ability to be a, um, a, a real lightning rod within, the, within your market for very little time and very little cost. And to me, that, that's the really major advantage of, of, of what perhaps what you and I are doing with podcasting. Perhaps what people think is that this is a very expensive thing to do. And perhaps 10 years or so ago, any form of content that was going to be distributed by, by yes. its very nature probably was. I can remember back 10 years ago, a very successful piece of marketing collateral we produced at Bright Grey was a DVD of a claimant. And it probably cost, it in all, in all honesty, after the DVD had produ been produced and the, the literature that went with it, and finally the, the mailing cost to send it out to 25,000 financial advisors, probably came in at around 80 to 100 grand. And, you know, that was a full film crew and proper editing facilities. Whereas nowadays, I would probably film that on a, maybe even on an iPhone, maybe a yes. little step up for an iPhone, and, and just, you know, host it on YouTube and send it out by email. And, and the same thing with, with an audio podcast. All you need is a decent microphone plugged into an iPhone and something to talk about. And you've got a broadcast quality business program that people can listen to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the challenge is getting your head around the technicalities of hosting the podcast, the recording process. I mean, to me, the, the, the biggest single cost 
having having done the research, found the right host, and, and having the equipment available. The biggest cost, Roger, is time because yes. because you, you have to think about the message. You have to prepare. It's like anything: is to fail to prepare is to prepare to fail. Using the old sales adage. So it, it's really a case of focusing in on the segment of your client base or, or how the marketing needs to work, having the message that, that targets those people, and then allowing the time to, to do it properly. And I think, I mean, one of the things that, that I was going to say in terms of, of, of overcoming the, the challenge of, of podcasting in a business context is, from day one, it's very difficult to see a financial advantage to taking an hour out of a week, a fortnight, to record a podcast and then another two or three hours to upload it and edit it and whatever. My take on this is that social media and, and podcasting would, would, would I, I think would sit within that general context is such an important part of, of business these days that you have to at least have a stab at it. So have a go and if it doesn't work for you, fine. It, you know, it's not right for everybody. But what I find now is that having invested a little bit of time when my business first launched first went live in, into podcasting, into the various bits of social media, LinkedIn and, and, and Twitter and so forth. It's now become a, a part of my work routine. So I allow certain time every week and on evenings to catch up with this sort of thing. And also, you do build an audience. You do get feedback over time. And I now will get both clients and introducers ringing me up on spec out of the blue saying, Phil, I heard the podcast. Can you do X? And the answer is, I mean, it's it's great. As we're recording this, Phil, we're I'm about uh, about five weeks ahead of myself. So the the first episode of the podcast is actually live in the marketplace, uh, but but we're recording about five weeks ahead now. And just from that one edition that I launched last week, I've already had a couple of advisors phone me up and say, "Can I be on your podcast?" Now I was expecting that might happen, maybe three or four months down the line, if the podcast is still going three or four months down the line, but. <laughs> To get two requests within the space of effectively four or five days, I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is actually quite a, an interesting medium that people are going to want to get involved with. I mean, the, the interesting thing for me is I, I was talking to, to one of my introducer contacts a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I mentioned that I knew you, and, and I, he knew you by reputation, uh, and we were talking about podcasting. And when he found out that I'd been invited to, to be an interviewee on, on your podcast, he said, well, Phil, can you put in a good word with Roger for me? So, <laughs> It, it, it's 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 kind of like viewing this as networking, but on a massive scale. So in in the old way that you meet a contact, you tell them what you're doing and they're interested in it, and, and you start working together. This word of mouth thing does very much work in the same way in, in a social media context as well. So the, the process definitely works. So what I'm getting the impression from you, Phil, is that the initial challenge that you faced getting the podcast off the ground simply was the fact that it was a new idea and it took time to to gain traction uh, but overcoming challenges obviously makes us stronger in business anyway so what is the one big idea that you would like those listening to the empath podcast to take away from these experiences that you've had uh, that's a good question i mean as i've already said i think that, that social media is a vital part of a 21st century business and if you don't participate i mean given perhaps the average age of, of, of practitioners within our industry you wouldn't necessarily expect to be particularly it savvy but i I think they really have to get over that and, and really get that message out to clients. Um, so I, I think that the big things that I would like people to take away is that as, as a lone practitioner or as a small business person, as, as an entrepreneur, you have to do it. 
whether it's a podcast or whether it's just social media more generally, we have the same voice in this context as a major multinational. So it's a really great leveller. But the other thing is, you have to be committed to the process. You have to be passionate about it. So in terms of overcome obstacles for me, I had an advantage that I knew what a podcast did, how it was supposed to sound. So although the format I created for PMI Cast is, is, is very bespoke to, to what I want to achieve, I, I hope that people, when they're listening, understand that, that A, I know what I'm talking about, but, but B, that, that I'm passionate about it. I want to, to help clients and that the podcast is a really great way for me to help more people. And obviously there's, there's a financial element, a business element that, that sits behind it. But as I, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, I was going to say this regardless. If I wasn't doing PMI cast, I would be doing some other kind of podcast. Martial I, arts part. Oh, well, precisely. <laughs> I, I just think it's a cool way to talk about things that you do. And if it helps the business, then that's great. Ultimately, it's another method of communication with our customers and, and with, with our peers within the industry. Interestingly, what you were saying about social media, again, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Somebody asked me the other day, actually, I think it might have been a journalist for an article that was being written. They were talking about Twitter and LinkedIn. And one of the questions was, it's, it's just a waste of time, isn't it? It's just something for you to, to play at in the office if, you, if, you, if you're bored writing your report or you're bored doing your, your PowerPoint presentation. And I was thinking, no, no. If you actually think back, goodness knows, 10, 15 years to when we first had email, I can remember personnel departments saying, oh, we don't like this email because you know what will happen is the staff will just sit at their desk wasting time emailing all their mates. Yeah. But, but of course, email became totally integrated and essential for business communication. It was seen as it genuinely was as a business tool. And to me, Twitter, LinkedIn and podcasting are business tools. Yes, you could probably waste some time playing with it if you wanted to, but ultimately Ultimately, if you see the business application of Twitter and LinkedIn podcasting videos, then the opportunities to create new contacts and bring business into your own company, it, it's, it's phenomenal how easy it is. Absolutely. Now, I, I do think you've hit the nail on the head with, with, with LinkedIn. And, and this, this LinkedIn and Facebook analogy drives me insane. Facebook is, in my humble opinion, a bit of a waste of time. It, that's a great way to sit at your desk and waste time. LinkedIn is, is, is a definite business tool. And, and I think if, if you see it as networking on a grand scale, you, you really won't go far wrong. I mean, I, I'm an active participant on LinkedIn. And as I talk about in the podcast, in actual fact, the subject of, of, of the next PMI cast is to talk about um, my LinkedIn group, uh, which I host for, for introducers. And <laughs> If, if you're using LinkedIn as a way of getting the message out, as a way of finding new clients and new contacts, it's absolutely superb. And best of all, it's free. You don't even need to pay for premium access to LinkedIn to join groups and to contact your peers and, and potential clients. So, you know, I, I, I think you, you just have to not be afraid of these things and just approach them as any other business task. How can I look at this this LinkedIn website and use it to add value to my business. I think Twitter is a slightly different beastie. I, I use Twitter a lot in a personal context and, and as a business tool, I can't see um, an added value element to, to Twitter other than if you build a healthy following on Twitter, you can use it to highlight other things that you're doing. So part of my workflow now is when I write a, a blog post on, on my business blog or when I put up a new episode of PMI Cast of the podcast, 
I'll automatically, having done that, go straight onto Twitter, onto Google+, onto LinkedIn, and just do a 100, 120-character update on, I've done this, you should read it, it's at this website. That, that's the way to add value with, with Twitter, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I always see your website, Oblique Blog, Oblique Podcast, as the hub. Yes. And the social media, be it Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, etc., to me are methods of driving traffic to that hub. Moving on then, Phil, let's talk a little bit about customer focus, because in the financial services industry, we are often criticised of not being particularly customer focused. (laughs) But what could be more customer focused than an advisor who produces his own audio programme, effectively pulling apart the perceived complexity of PMI and presenting it in a a really understandable and simple format? What have you done with the, uh, the, the PMI cast to to really make it customer focused. Thanks for saying it's understandable and clear. That's the first thing. Well, and that's that's very much the aim. My whole premise of, of, of what I do is trying to be transparent with, with with my customers, and I don't mean that just in terms of, of a regulatory context, because obviously we have to be. But but as you say, to make things as understandable as possible, because. I think with any financial services product, there is always the fear by the client that they don't understand what it is they're buying. So, so when I created PMI Cast, I, I wanted to do two things. I wanted, to, yes, to make it a marketing missive, but but beyond that, anything that I'm talking about within within PMI Cast has to suit the needs of one of my two customers. One set of customers is my direct customers, the people that, that I sell private medical insurance to. So every week I pick a topic. And, and I try and keep it a very concise and succinct topic. So what I'm not going to do on PMI Cast is do a, a massive overview of the individual private medical insurance market because A, it would be very, very dry, uh, and B, people wouldn't understand it or listen to it. So I'll, I'll tend to pick up on one key issue. So, for example, moratorium underwriting. It tells people what it is how it works and how it might affect you if you're a new policyholder. And then the following week, we might talk about how an excess works. So it's really to keep things a simple. And of course, from my point of view, things crop up on a daily basis. So I'll often use something that's happened in the previous two or three days as a starting point for talking about why um, a, a switch application has to have full declaration of the client's recent claims history to make sure that they're covered what they should be, that the insurer knows fully what's happening and so forth. So it's to highlight key issues for the consumer. So I try to keep it very focused on not a sales message for personal and corporate customers, but a technical message. This is what happens when you buy a PMI plan or when you have this kind of product. For my introducer audience... It is more sales driven and it's telling them what information they should be thinking about when they're talking to their clients. So the standard scenario for me would be I will speak to an IFA advisor or a mortgage broker, somebody that really isn't specialist in the the field of private medical insurance. So they maybe look at subcontract their their private medical to a person like me. So in terms of, of that customer and what I need them to pass on to their end user customer will be the focus of what I'll talk about on PMI cast. So much more general sales message about perhaps the kind of person that might have private medical that we could look to review, how the review process might work, and from a, a from a, a, an economic point of view, 
what the advantages of using a person like me would be for that 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 IFA or, or that accountant and so forth. So it's really, I suppose, Roger, knowing your audience and trying to pitch the end consumer message at the right level. But the the beauty of, of podcasting is that I just created a format that that works for the two different types of contexts that I needed to work in. It's interesting as well that what you're really doing, especially if you're end customers is just answering questions and again these days so many transactions start with a search on the internet a google search and most people these days type in full questions yeah. so you know what what's a, what's a moratorium on a pmi product mean and by creating a podcast that answers questions like that you you're probably showing up in google searches and people are finding your website they're listening to your podcast and thinking this guy's answered that question in a really simple manner he knows what he's talking about i think i'll give him a call and see whether he can help me out with my pmi needs absolutely i mean faq type podcast i've gone through and come up with a list of what i think are the key questions that a personal purchaser needs to know and i've gone through them line by line on the podcast it doesn't make the most riveting at listening i'll be honest but every once in a while to, to do a roundup of, of what i think people need to know and of course we do get feedback from 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 listeners as well asking phil you said this but did you really mean it but it's also a great way of, of, of getting feedback into the business to understand what your consumers actually want and, and need to know what would you say has worked best with pmi cast and, and what's worked not so well and how have you modified your approach as a result of feedback i, I, I think in the early days the podcast. I mean, we, we, we've just done um, episode 50, and PMICast is supposed to be a weekly podcast. Every now and then, um, it, it drifts a little, you know, when the workload gets higher. So we're probably about 18, 18, 19 months into the podcast now. And I think in, in the early days, when you don't have listeners, you don't really have any, any kind of positive feedback, it, it's quite difficult to judge what's working and, what, and what's not working. What I simply did for the first six or seven months was, was change things up and came up with with what I thought was, was a format that, that both met the needs of what I wanted to put out there, but I think import, importantly was, was quite comfortable for me as a, as a broadcaster because I think one of the beauties of podcasting is, is the informality of, of the, the media. That it's, it is like having a person chatting in your ear on the train while you're on the treadmill at the gym and so forth. Once you start to build an audience, and, and we now have, but we have about seven or eight thousand downloads of PMI Cast a month now. You go from that gut feel of what you think is working, and, and you start getting the feedback to say, yeah. That actually is, is, is suiting, the, suiting the needs of, of, of what we need to do. And originally, we, we didn't have an introducer section, but I started getting calls from some of my existing IFAs saying, Phil, can you talk about X? And it just became a very obvious thing that, yes, we'll just put a slot in five minutes of the podcast talking to introducers. Um, so I think what's worked well is being flexible, is just listening to the feedback that you get. In terms of, of, what, of what hasn't gone so well, I, I think you listen to the other episodes and it's very stuttering, very hesitant, and I didn't really know what I was doing, to be honest. So it's a massive learning curve. And as long as you listen to the podcast, and I think if you listen to other podcasts, you really, you really have a, a lead in with the, 
with, with knowing what to listen to, how to put things when you're talking in the podcast and aiming it towards clients is really, really important. I think there's always that moment, isn't there, when you hear your voice for the first time <laughs> Definitely. over the air, you think, is that really me? I just sound awful. But, you know, you do get used to it and you become more comfortable with each one. And, and obviously talking to guests helps as well. But I think it's just worth sticking at it because people are appreciative of the content you're producing. People are appreciative of what you're saying and the questions you're answering. And it's just the best way to build an audience. And, and Phil, now for the rewards of all your hard work and investment into the PMI cast. Tell us about the results you've achieved since you launched it. Well, I, I think the key thing for me was I had no idea whether it was going to work or not. So the fact that, that I'm still here after, after 50 episodes, I, I think it's staggering. I get very positive feedback from, from people. The positive stories, though, do go back to, to, to the financials. I have definitely picked up new clients on the back of, of PMI cast, and more particularly new introducers. And, and for me, uh, the, the way that I work isn't cold calling clients. It, it isn't telemarketing. It's largely by referral and, and working with my introducers who pass their clients across and the, and, and the referral works that way. So having, having a medium that I can sit in front of a mic every week and talk and have that result, admittedly maybe six, 12 months down the line in a new introducer who passes me a client referral, I always think that when that first case comes through from that client, that five, six hundred pounds that you might earn from writing the business, doing the job for, for the client, that is directly attributable to the podcast. So for an hourly rate, in terms of the time taken to, to, to put the podcast together and record and edit, I think it's, for me, it's become definitely worthwhile. And of course, if you're doing an interview format like this, you also get to talk to really great people as well and have a really interesting conversation. And, and, and recapping really, I think the message that I've got from this and certainly the stuff that I've learned since I've started podcasting is that apart from the investment of your own time, but if you make sure that the, what you produce answers questions is great content and it will drive traffic to your site then it's definitely worth it what people shouldn't be afraid of is that this is an expensive business genuinely all you need is a relatively decent microphone and by relatively decent I'm only talking about 10 to 15 pounds here that you can either plug into your computer and into your phone we're doing this conversation over Skype. Skype's free. We're not paying for this call. How great is that? There's a little widget that you can attach to Skype, which records the, the program. If you want to edit it, and some people won't edit it, they'll just bang it straight out, then you can use a program like Roxio or, or um, Audacity just to edit out the fluffs. Yeah. If you're really ambitious, like you and I have been, you might put a little bit of music at the beginning and a bit of music at the end. I'm a bit of a geek. I composed my own theme tune using Apple GarageBand. Likewise, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and, and then all you need then is a host, and I use a company called Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, yeah. and I think that costs me $10 a month to host upwards of a gigabyte worth of, and that's probably, a, that's the equivalent of a, probably about 10 episodes a month, which I'm probably never ever get to. So the outgoings, you're probably, you're probably talking about £25 a month to get this really good content out there. You and I are obviously kind of geeks, so we kind of like the technology that sits behind it. But honestly, you're absolutely right. 
anybody can record and upload podcasts. It takes a little bit of, of Googling to work out how to, to, to get your podcast into iTunes. But again, once you've found the right page online, it, it really is dead easy. There's nothing better than seeing your own podcast appear in iTunes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just great, isn't it? Phil, this has been a fascinating chat. We could probably carry on talking about podcasting all day, but we, but we need to finish off. And we always finish off the Empath podcast with a quick fire round of business questions so you're happy to go for that yeah fire away let's think about the one thing that you would change about the financial services industry if you had that proverbial magic wand what would you change i would i would remove this remaining preponderance to use bits of paper everything should be pdf it should all be writable pdfs and everything should be done online so we shouldn't have any paper in this industry anymore. It's ridiculous. Writable PDFs. Do you know, in my old uh, guise as a, as a product provider, I used to get requests for writable PDF application forms all the time. And all I got from the IT people was, no, 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 far too complicated, far too complicated. And they even started talking about data leakage. Yeah. We shouldn't have excuses for making things simpler. And I think, <laughs> exactly. what, could be, what could be simpler than a writable PDF? I agree with you entirely on that what's the one business model or product launch or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year even if it was from a competitor tell us what it was and what you liked about it i have to be really careful here because one of the things i commit to doing on the podcast is never is never to do down an insurer i'm completely and utterly vanilla in that respect there is one insurer who who has used olympic athletes in their marketing campaign and it's been very eye-catching and it's been all over the press but I, i'm actually quite a cynic I, I don't like it but it's been eye-catching so I, i'm not going to say who it is people will probably be able to work it out but it, it's it's a pmi insurer that's, that's used olympic athletes very eye-catching but cynically i don't like the campaign but it seems to be very very successful for them Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and your business. Oh, I could geek out here, Roger. I, really <laughs> I was expecting that there's, answer. There's a long list, but also an app. Now, um, I'm very committed to, to, to technology and, and, and using that to, to help me work with clients. So I've got lots of, of kind of redundant backup uh, for client data. But I use um, Amazon uh, Cloud Drive as, as my off-site backup for access to clients information and it's a fantastic uh, it, it looks great it works well on any device and the beauty of it is it, it exactly replicates my file format from the mac so if i know where it is on the mac i can go to anybody's phone anybody's pc and find any bit of client data and finally phil what's the best business book you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it <sighs> I, again, I, I thought long and hard about, about this kind of question. I actually chose a really simple, basic book, a book called Flying Startups by Steve Parks. I actually read this book long before I set my own business, probably around 2005, 2006. And, and as the name suggests, it's, it's, it's a, a guidebook to starting up your own business. And I think there's nothing earth shattering, there's nothing astounding or clever about the book, but it just takes you through a process from day one, to the end of the first year of what you need to do before you start your own business. Really simple, basic stuff. And what that meant was that, that four or five years down the line, when I wanted to start my own business, you don't start cold. 
I'm a great believer in doing the research first before you do something. So although I'm a typical guy in that I don't ever read the instructions for a piece of tech, I start playing with it. But in business, in work, you have to be prepared. You have to know what you're doing. And I just found Steve Clark's book brilliant. And before we sign off, Phil, tell everybody how they can connect with you on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, and, of course, your own website. And I suspect you might be going to get quite a few people wanting to contact you after this conversation. I hope so. Excellent. The, the easiest way to, to find out what I'm doing is, is, is via Twitter. Uh, and I have two uh, main Twitter accounts. There is Local Venture One, uh, Local Venture L O C A L V E N T U R E One, the number one. That's my main personal account. And then you'll also find me under Phil Knight PCH. And as we talked about during the podcast, everything that I do in a work context will be at some point messaged on, on one of those two Twitter accounts. My personal webpage, I, I, I have a business blog called Local Venture, which is at all the W's, localventure.blogspot.com. Again, during the week, I'll tend to post about business-related issues, about the podcast, about what's happening in the world of business and medical insurance. On the weekend, it tends to be lighter content, and you might find martial arts or science fiction or or tech geekery going on there, but the main focus is, is business. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, my profile page is a long line of, of gobbledygook, which I won't bore you with. But if you do a search on Philip Knight, medical insurance intermediate, you will find me on LinkedIn. Um, and from LinkedIn and the Twitter accounts, and uh, you can find my Google Plus account quite easily. Phil, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been fascinating to talk to a fellow podcaster. So let me wish you every success in the future. Hope to catch up with you again soon because we've still got lots to talk about with martial arts and science fiction and all that tech that we both love. No, absolutely. My pleasure. Lovely to join you, Roger, and hope to speak again in the near future. Thanks, Phil. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast, also known as the Empath Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at www.rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath for links to the apps and the books and the topics we've discussed today. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be really grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit www.rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talk about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions, okay? how easy it is to create that challenge. Can you believe it? Somebody just rung on my bloody door. <laughs> just hold on a second. Right. Sorry about that. That was a parcel for next door. They're out, so I had to sign <laughs> for it. <laughs>